Hello, friends, and welcome to Syracuse Football Post Game, presented by Krause Health, the official healthcare provider of SU Athletics. Syracuse takes down Purdue 35 to 20. Brent Axe, Emily Liker. I'm in Syracuse, New York. Emily is in West Lafayette, Indiana. As we record this, Saturday has turned into Sunday, and the Orange have defeated Purdue 35 to 20, and they used a 44 approach to take down the Boilermakers. Four rushing touchdowns from Garrett Schrader, four takeaways from the defense. It should have been more, frankly, as we'll get into, but the defense just continues the mob approach this year and uh, comes up with a lot of key takeaways. We mentioned Schrader and the great day that he had. A couple of units didn't have such a great day, even in a win. We'll cover it all here. Emily is just back from Dino Baber's press conference, and uh, Dino was in, uh, as you would imagine, a pretty good mood after a win like this. Right, Emily? What do you have to say about this one? Yeah, yeah, no, Dino came in in pretty high spirits. Um, his his voice was a little hoarse, so I'm wondering if we'll see some videos from the locker room or not. Um, but there's really kind of two big things that he said that I thought were interesting and also kind of fed into some of the bigger talking points of the day. I think first off, obviously, Schrader ran the ball a ton. And I think, at least to me, a lot of those runs looked like they were scrambles. They looked like they might have just been because there was pressure on the O-line. He just kind of picked a direction and ran with it. But Dino said that was actually like scripted. A lot of that was scripted. What they had seen with Purdue's defense, they felt like there was going to be a lot of rushing lanes for, for Garrett to take advantage of. And both of them kind of said that they wished he hadn't have had to run as much. There was obviously they wanted some more connections on those deep balls, which feeds into the next thing that he said. Um, but that wasn't like that was purposeful. Like it wasn't just Garrett scrambling because he felt like he had to scramble, which I think is good because obviously we came into this game with the news that David Wollabaugh is out for the season. The two other offensive linemen, uh, Kalen Ellis and Joe Moore, who we thought might be back today, weren't, they didn't even travel. And so I think there was definitely a, uh, some nerves around what the O-line was going to look like. Um, sure. I was definitely yeah. very, very speculative. So to know that those, at least some of those runs that Garrett went on tonight were designed like that, I think gives a better picture of what's going on with this offense. So that was the first thing Dino kind of shared. That was interesting. By the way, shout out to the offensive line. I thought they did a pretty good job, all things considered. With Schrader, you're always going to get some runs that are breakdowns or he kind of improvises a little bit. But, look, the Purdue defense could not stop him. That first touchdown that Schrader had, he fooled everybody in the stadium watching on TV, no matter where you were, uh, most notably the Purdue defense. Emily, he kind of moonwalked into the end zone there. Tell me, you know what moonwalking is, by the way. Yes. Not, okay. All right. I was, I'm making sure that's not too old of a, of a reference there, but it wasn't just that he had a touchdown where he ran right down their throat and ends up with four on the day. That is a Syracuse record, by the way, for a, a, a running touchdowns by a quarterback. When you think of Donovan McNabb and Marvin Graves and Eric Dungy and some of the quarterbacks that could move with their feet in Syracuse history, Schrader, now has that record, which is incredible to think about. And uh, I think the offensive line did a good job past protecting for Schrader as well. Not to get to a negative too early on here, Emily, but, man, there were a lot of drops out there by the Syracuse receivers, and it comes on the same day that we learned that officially Aronde Gatson was out for the year. He puts out 
uh, Instagram message about two hours before the game. We didn't know up to this point how severe it was. They did keep that pretty quiet, so that was noteworthy in and of itself that he is out for the year. And the receivers, who I thought had a great first two weeks, particularly last week against Western Michigan, they did not have such a great day in this one. Was that talked about in postgame at all? Yeah, so that was the other thing that I thought was really interesting that that came out of the presser. Dino didn't really say like whether or not he definitively thought a lot of those were drops because whether something gets recorded as a drop, I think is like a very precise kind of looking at the film. So like you're going to look at the stat sheet and it says there's only one drop and it's that early one by Yumari Hatcher that was probably going to be a touchdown and just kind of got dropped and, and messed up. But there was certainly more, at least by the eye test, it seemed. Uh, but what Dino said was that he thought it was, it was because they were playing at night and the lighting is different. And he noted that because of how Syracuse has its practice and class schedule, they all have their, they practice in the morning. And so they all have classes at night. So they're not really able to go outside and go prep for a night game by actually playing in the dark or playing under their lights on their practice field, because then kids would have to miss class and they'd have to shuffle a bunch of stuff around. That's just kind of impossible to shuffle. So he was like, look, should we have probably done that? Yes, because I saw how it affected things in the game. And, and he was like, obviously, I want to watch the film a little bit more and see if there was other stuff contributing there. But he was he he seemed convinced that a lot of that had to do with just probably like perception issues and, and depth and shadows. And I don't know, just playing under the lights in an outdoor stadium. I don't know. I guess I can buy that. But where I think that's a little frustrating from a Syracuse standpoint is, with the exception of like two throws, Emily, they were on the money. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Amari Hatcher just flat out dropped the touchdown. Everybody jumped in that pool. It's not like one guy struggled, two guys struggled. It felt like everybody had a bad drop at one point. Like you said, what's registered officially as a drop or not. I know a drop when I see it. A receiver has mm -hmm. a catchable ball. It, you know, the old adage, if it's in your hands, it's catchable. And there were too many of those that they didn't haul in. Although Donovan Brown had a key catch on the sideline when Syracuse had a scoring drive in the second half when this game was still a little iffy and that's the other thing Emily so you flip it over the defensive side they were fantastic the mob had four takeaways they should have had more as we'll get into here and it was uh, you know Marlo Wax was all over the place knocked the ball loose on a sack had a tipped interception Terry Lockett was Johnny on the spot. He had two fumble recoveries, and it was just an overall effort by the defense. Uh, how did you see that success and why they were able uh, to make uh, the Purdue offense have, have a long, long night, particularly their quarterback card, who was responsible for four of those, uh, all four of those takeaways, three yeah. fumbles and an interception, yeah. Yeah, well, I think there was, so we had to go over this a couple times in the press box, the few of us who were here on press row. So there was the two fumble recoveries, there was the interception, and then I think the other credited turnovers were all turnovers on downs. There's, there's, I think, an inaccuracy in the stats sheet is what I'm trying to say, unless I'm like blatantly forgetting the third fumble, um, besides the two that were overturned with review, which we'll, we'll talk about, but you know, I asked Marlo about that. I was, he, Marlo Wax came in and talked with us post game. And I was like, I mean, was there something in this game plan and looking at Purdue's offense that you felt like you could exploit? Because coming into this game, Purdue was one of the nine teams in the country that did not have a turnover. And so 
it's not like they could have looked at film and been like, oh, I saw Hudson Card get picked off on this type of pass. I think it's going to be easy to undercut the receiver. Marlowe said it was just effort. I'm sure looking back at the film, they might have a, a, a slightly different answer, might have a more tactical answer. Um, but I mean, there certainly we saw effort, I think, come through on those two that got reviewed and, and overturned one had originally been ruled a fumble that was the one that kind of bobbled around at the 20 yard line and then Derek McDonald seemed to come up with it and they looked back at it and they were like no someone's hand was out of bounds I think is what the final ruling was right <laughs> yeah we'll talk about that, that yeah that <laughs> and, and so like just seeing them go after that there and then obviously this the one that was shortly after that kind of in a dog pile, I think speaks to what Marla was saying about effort. But I think also just like, this is a defense that's really good and was certainly better than the Purdue offense was. So card finished 32 of 46 for 323 yards through the air, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Purdue only had 80 yards on the ground rushing, whereas Syracuse had 195 yards from Garrett Schrader alone to go with the four touchdowns. I thought LaQuinn Allen, this is about as active as we have seen him involved in both facets of the game. He had 17 rushes for 80 yards. He was also uh, one of Syracuse's leading receivers in this game, six catches for 62 yards, all for four catches for 70 yards as well. Uh, the penalties were flowing again, Emily. I mean, last year's game, People forget it's it's an instant classic, and I would still label it that way, but it was a trash game for three quarters. It was 10 yeah. to 9 going into the fourth quarter, and then it turned into the all-time shootout that it was. And one of the reasons that that game um, swung Syracuse's way, frankly, were the penalties. I mean, Purdue just couldn't get out of its own way in the fourth quarter. We had a little bit of everything in this game. We had 16. Let me double check my, my numbers here. I believe there was a total of 16 penalties in this game. Um, no, it's higher than that. I think it was. Uh, it's 20. 20. Nine against tw nine against SU uh, and, and 11 against Purdue. Good God. It ended up being 20 penalties. And look, Syracuse benefited from a couple. They certainly got robbed on one play. I mean, Damian Alford, it was classic DPI just he, the guy got mugged in the end zone and they didn't call it and but they did end up calling that on Purdue later in the game Syracuse did benefit on a touchdown drive from a couple of pass interference calls mm -hmm. that were eh, were they catchable balls or not they were kind of right on the line but there were two moments from the officials in this game that just leave me bewildered okay the first one is so there was a fumble on the sideline and the Purdue player I forget who it is off the top of my head he has one hand out of bounds, and with his other hand, he swipes the, the loose football. Syracuse recovers it. By rule, because his hand was out of bounds, the play is dead, right? Which could not be any dumber. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? If anything, it should be an illegal touch on Purdue, and Syracuse gets the football. But the fact that that kills the play, it just goes against everything that replay should be, and it, it's just we find these overthought dumb rules in football. The second one, Emily happens in the fourth quarter and Anwar Sparrow clearly strips the ball. It goes into a pile. Now maybe Syracuse didn't recover it in that pile. Isaiah Johnson ended up with it at the end of the whole thing. But the beauty of it is the officials like the scarecrow from wizard of odds rule of the play both ways. Mm -hmm. They point both ways. So 
They couldn't figure it out. They go to replay. Purdue gets the ball. So they just kept trying to give Purdue chances to win this game in the fourth quarter, but ultimately they couldn't do it because uh, the Syracuse defense just kept stepping up. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> both of those were just funny and like watching them in the press box. Like we obviously get like limited kind of access to the replays because usually we only get what's on the big board. And sometimes teams will choose to only put things on the big board once, especially if they know it's a close call. Um, so like I, I definitely need to even go back and look at some uh, of those. But certainly maybe you, this, maybe you should. Maybe I don't. Maybe I yeah. shouldn't look back at them. Um, certainly the second one where, uh, Isaiah Johnson came up with the ball that felt, it, it did not feel like they had enough evidence to overturn that one. So I was very surprised, but you know what? Syracuse's defense took it in stride. They made the stop on the next two plays and that was the end of the game. And I finally got to breathe my sigh of relief with like three minutes left in the quarter because I felt confident that I wasn't going to have to rewrite my gamer at that point. I so. was ready, Emily. We saw the game last year. I was ready for anything. You know, Emily and I are, are both writing essentially on deadline. We both have stories <laughs> that go up pretty much when the game's over, like ASAP, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I, I always root for a great game, but last year was just, I don't know how I, I, I posted the story I did. I don't know how you posted the story you did because – how does how do, how do people's fingers work that fast? It was insane the way that game went. So I was ready for it. And there were some moments yeah. in the fourth quarter where I was like, okay, here we go. Syracuse and Purdue. Uh, what are some other things that maybe stood out to you in post game or just being there in West Lafayette sold out a rare night game for them. You talked about how Dino didn't practice at night. They barely play night games mm -hmm. at Ross state stadium. That's kind of been a new thing in recent years. They didn't even put lights in there until recently. So what, uh, what other things stood out to you uh, on your trip there to, uh, Indiana? Yeah. You know, I will say, I mean, it was, it was definitively a sellout. Like every but like every seat had a butt in it for most of the game um, kind of until midway through that fourth quarter, when things started to feel a little bit out of reach for Purdue, it, it wasn't like a ticket sellout. It, there were people here. People were excited for this game. Uh, you could spot some patches of orange throughout the stadium. So very well attended event, uh, which I think is always fun. And I know the players were looking forward to just from what they had told us this week. Um, you know, Dino got asked, I think obviously the big, the big news coming out of this, which we talked about a little bit, was kind of what happened pregame with finding out that Aronde's out for the season. And uh, Dino got one question about that postgame. I kind of figured he wasn't going to talk about it much today, if at all. So I'm there's going to be more questions on Monday. Basically what he said tonight, like he was asked when they knew that Gadsden was going to be out and he declined to answer that. He was like, that's not relevant. But like we just went in like – looking next man up and kind of just all the classic things you say in that scenario. So if people were hoping that there was going to be more insight into that tonight, there, there isn't, but hopefully there will be soon. Um, let's see what else. Oh, this was really fun and interesting. So I asked, so we got Marlo Garrett and Justin Barron at the podium tonight. And I asked uh, Marlo and Justin about Rocky Long's in-game adjustments, because this has been something that we've, heard from Dino about time and time again. He's like, Rocky Long is a great in-game adjuster. And you know, mm. that makes sense. He's seen 50 years of football, which is more football than I will probably ever see in my lifetime. <laughs> and, in, and in such an intimate way. Um, and you, like the second I asked about it, like I saw Justin and, and Marlo's eyes light up and Justin looked over at Marlo. Rocky Long wrote a new play 
at halftime in the locker room, taught it to the Syracuse defense, and then they went out and executed it in the second half. Now, they wouldn't tell me – they didn't go into detail about, like, what the play was, but it sounded like it was a successful play. It was completely brand new. I was like, how much time did you even have to learn that? And – they are like only a couple minutes really, but the, the thing they noted and the thing obviously we've continued to harp on is like that type of stuff is easy because they're still running the three, three, five system. And, and that's just such like, it's so, it's so beneficial to Syracuse that they went after another defensive coordinator who runs the same scheme that this defense defensive personnel has been successful in. And that is just another anecdote to back that up. And so I'm hoping that maybe someone else this week that's not a captain and a veteran and knows to keep their mouth shut on those types of things will give us a little <laughs> bit more more insight or maybe the players always talk after Dino. So I might follow up with Dino and see what he thought of Rocky Long's um, halftime play. But I think that's a nice little piece of lore for this this big defensive showing against Purdue. Well, it's incredible. And when you have a few veterans on your defense that you can trust and you can do that, notably Marlo Wax and – I'm trying to think of an analogy here, Emily, because Rocky Long like literally invented this defense. Can you imagine like learning a, a new song from the guy who invented the guitar? I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a way to to relate this, but it, it, it almost sounds like, you know, a couple of guys you know, playing out out, you know, in the backyard, like drawing up a play in the dirt. Ooh, let's try this. And it worked. So they made that adjustment. Purdue actually Maybe they had a spy on Schrader earlier in the game, but it felt like it, it was a halftime adjustment. They put a couple of different players uh, on Schrader. It didn't work, obviously, because Schrader ended up with a huge day, one of the best rushing days that a Syracuse quarterback has ever had. But I, I guess, you know, look, we know Schrader's going to take off and run, and we know that they would prefer that he stay in the pocket to throw the football. But look, Purdue gave him the lane. So, you know, the old adage is you take what the defense gives you and they gave him, you know, a lot of room to run. And when he faked him out, he created lanes to run. And this is Schrader at his best. I mean, you were there in the stadium. I was watching on NBC and Todd Blackledge just couldn't say enough about Garrett Schrader and the type of runner he is and, and the weapon that he is for Syracuse. And I think we knew that. But now that he's so much more comfortable in Jason Beck's offense, and it, let's be honest here, his receivers let him down tonight. He went out there and had to take charge. But LaQuint Allen, Emily, you know, we've seen uh, like little sprinklings of it so far. He didn't really need to be that guy against Western Michigan. He had three touchdowns. They were all, you know, goal line plays. Tonight, I think we started to really see what he can bring to the offense in the passing game too. And that's going to be important because with Gatson out, you need every weapon available to you uh, in that passing game. And Allen clearly is going to be part of it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that had been like the biggest thing I had been kind of like expecting and, and didn't see in the first two weeks of the season. Cause even last year they were using LaQuint Allen like that in the rare occasion he came on the field and in that kind of, multifaceted faceted uh way i think we're still waiting too to see him throw the ball once because that happened a couple times last year but no you're certainly right and i think obviously the focus is on gadsden and missing him at kind of the slot receiver tight end position but look trevor pena hasn't been on the depth chart in three weeks either it does not seem like he is going to return anytime soon just in because of the updates limited as they are like 
the fact that he's not on the depth chart at all does not give me hope that he's returning anytime soon because like they've kept Ellis on the depth chart even while he's out they've kept more on the depth chart even while he's out uh obviously Gadsden was on it today more of as a deception for Purdue and hoping that they would spend time working on him. But the fact that, that Pena hasn't been on this depth chart is at all not great. And so the slot receiver position is going to look different and they're going to have to adjust and find other ways to hit that kind of um, personnel role on the field. And I think LaQuint is a great candidate to help fill that. Yeah. And the injuries are starting to pile up, obviously Gats and Woolabaugh out for the season. Pena has been out here. Uh, you mentioned the two offensive linemen that we thought Syracuse would get back. They didn't even travel. I guess another thing we should mention, Emily, before we go is the special teams kind of had a rough one uh, in the first half in particular. Brady Denneberg missed a 44-yard field goal. Jack Stonehouse uh, shanked a couple of punts off the side of his foot. They didn't even bring uh, Max out to Purdue. So it was, it was kind of all Jack or nothing. And maybe they were starting to regret that decision early on. There was a bad late hit in, in, uh, I believe that was in the first quarter as well. So that kind of dissipated a little bit in the second half. Purdue actually, uh, gave Syracuse a little bit of a break when they missed an extra point when it was 28, 20, and it was still a game. Uh, so penalties were an issue, special teams, an issue for Syracuse as well. So a couple of things to keep an eye on there. And you mentioned it, you know, it's outdoors. It's not the control conditions of the dome. You always kind of wonder what's going to happen when the kickers do that. It wasn't like a bad weather night or anything, but you know, you take them out of their comfort zone a little bit. Maybe they can, you know, make some mistakes. Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't think it's time to like necessarily sound the alarm on, on the special teams. Like, you know what, watching Denneberg warm up that kind of 43 to 47 yarder, that kind of seems like the edge of his range. I think I noted pregame that he hit one, he missed one from 46 and they moved him up a yard and he hit one from 45 in pregame. So like, I don't, I don't know what the winds were like. I think we were enclosed in the press box. So I, I couldn't tell you how windy it was or not windy or, or any of that stuff. Um, and obviously he, he looked solid on, on other things like the kickoffs and stuff like that. Yeah, the Stonehouse punts, I'm not really sure. They still went like 40 yards, which was kind of the crazy thing. I don't know what he finished, what his average finished as. But you could like tell on them that they were not coming off his foot right. And I'm not really sure yards. why that would be. 30, he, okay, yeah. So he ended yeah. up with a 34-yard average, which is certainly lower than Syracuse was expecting. His long was 43 um, he had only punted I, I, twice before this. Like, I don't know. Like, I just Jack boot the heck out of that football. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to be fine. He's a freshman. Or, you know, he's not a, is he a freshman? He's a first time something. Yeah. yeah. He's a young guy out there, you know, trying to find his way. So like I said, I'm not pushing the panic button or anything, but it should be noted because in close game, special teams, as I like to say, hashtag special teams matter. It can it can swing a game, and you got to flip the field and need a reliable guy out there to do it. Denerberg barely missed that kick. It's not like he shanked it. It just kind of hugged the goalpost the wrong way, but uh, certainly something to note there. So, Emily, uh, Army comes in next week, and they actually have the rare advantage of they played in a dome before they play in the JMA Wireless Dome. They played mm. – UTSA in the Alamo Dome. So oh. they're going to come in next week off of a yes. win with an extra day and having played in a dome. So will that 
provide any advantage. We shall see. But uh, interesting footnote as we push forward to next week. But uh, hey, look, Syracuse is three and zero. They passed their first big test of the season against the Big Ten team on national television. And uh, who knows? Maybe we could be on the way to another four, five, six and zero start for Syracuse football. It's going to be a little bit of a different path there than it was last year. But they are three and zero after this one. And uh, final from West Lafayette, thirty-five twenty. Emily, thank you for hopping on uh, from, I think you commandeered the AD's box there at Purdue in the <laughs> press box. Any good food yeah. left in there? Any, any, no, no, no but it was, it was funny because so the way I think this is the Purdue AD press box, but certainly. So they, there's, there was a box on each end of, of the press row here. Um, and to our left was John Wildhack suite. And then to our right was whoever wasn't here, which was Purdue fans. So like every big play, it was like you could just hear cheers coming from the press and like people <laughs> hitting on glass and stuff. And there, it scared the bleep out of me a couple times because <laughs> like, I was not expecting it. And it was very loud, but you gotta it added a, a nice little environment. It was fun. It was fun. That's the worst. Those, those <laughs> enclosed press boxes are the worst. You got to yeah. have open windows, man. Come on, especially on a nice night like it was tonight. So anyway, uh, safe travels back home. Thanks for joining us once again here on Syracuse Sports, our Syracuse Football Post Game Edition. Uh, we'll be looking for your coverage, of course, over the next week here, and uh, appreciate your insight as always.